Amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles this morning, it'll be in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 9. Paul wrote a letter there to the church at Corinth. He had some things to say, and, and I want to take a look at them this morning. Next time I'll mark it. It was a long way back from Fort Lauderdale yesterday. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24, the Apostle Paul wrote, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Anybody ever participated in any form of organized sports? Anybody ever played any kind of game? You had a coach, any kind of ball game? You know, one of the things that coaches do when they're working on preparing their team is they, they try to inspire their team. They, they try to motivate their team. And especially in big games, coaches will use a statement like, leave it all on the field. Leave it all on the field. Win or lose on this day is not what you'll remember most. It'll be how you played. Give it everything you've got. Don't walk off with anything in the tank. If we have to carry each other off the field after the game, so be it. But give it all you got. Don't leave anything on the field. I want to steal the title of a song this morning from Brian Free and use it as the title of the message. I want to leave with nothing left. God, thank you so much for loving broken vessels. Thank you for breaking vessels. <laughs> Breaking them of pride and foolishness and arrogance. And thank you for saving broken vessels and picking them up and washing away their sins and giving them a new home in glory. Thank you for using broken vessels and mending up their scars and the broken places and holding them in your hand, God. Lord, I pray this morning for this group of people right here at 552 Hammett Road. God, I pray that you'd pour your sweet anointing out in this place. And God, I pray that we might... Feel the presence of your habitation. I pray that you touch everybody in here as only you can. May your Holy Spirit touch each one in their own way and meet their own need, God. Take this word and use it that you might be glory. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this past week, man, we, we had a lot of different singers on board the boat uh, in I'm not just going to tell you about the cruise. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. So just bear with me and stay with me a little while. But there was a lot of different preachers. There was different singers. There was different styles, different dress, a lot of different things going on. On Tuesday morning, Ivan Parker <coughs> got up to sing. Anybody know Ivan Parker? Find out who all my Southern Gospel folks are. A young crowd says, who is Ivan Parker? Well, if y'all don't know Ivan, you would love Josh. Ivan Parker has been a soloist. He, is, he has been kind of an icon in gospel music for years. And, and Ivan Parker no longer travels by himself. His son travels with him. His son's name is Josh. 
Josh doesn't sing. Josh is a musician. There was a young man standing back over in the corner with pretty long hair, and he had it all pulled around kind of toward his face and in his face, and he had this electric guitar. And I'll be honest, he looked absolutely like a perfect fit for the day I grew up in the 70s and 80s. He was a perfect fit for any rock and roll band I ever saw. He had the jeans for the part, and son, he could wear out an electric guitar. Ivan told him one day he cut him loose. He said, come on and play us a song. And I'm going to call it Amazing Grace because somewhere in there I could hear parts of it. But it was a little bit different rendition of Amazing Grace than I've ever heard, to say the least. And I mean wearing it out on an electric guitar. Every once in a while I think he hit a couple of notes just to kind of familiarize let us know he's still playing the same song. Now, now I'm, I'm not, I, I started thinking, you know, Ivan's been a soloist, Southern gospel singer for forever. It's like your guitar ain't working. It ain't fitting what he's singing. An incredibly talented young man. I thought, man. I need, he needs to hook up with the newsboys. He'd be bad to the bone. That joke can get it done. But it's on that morning. God decided you ain't broke enough yet. You ain't got it yet. You, you, you ain't figured it out yet. So God spent the rest of the week breaking some more stuff. We, um, we had pretty much everything you could imagine. We had the Mattingly family. The Mattingly family came up, and they were expecting what I would expect the Mattingly family to have looked like. They had on the men had matching suits and matching ties and matching hankies. The women had on dresses to the floor that all matched, and that's exactly what I would have thought they looked like. They, they came up, and they sang Southern gospel music, and, and to me, that's what Southern gospel music looks like. Then High Road came up. High Road is um, some incredible vocalists. It's four beautiful young girls, probably 20 to 25, I guess. And the first morning they performed, the one to the left and one to the right, they both got long blonde hair and they had on, I guess it was tight leather pants. I never could really figure out if it was tight leather pants or if they painted their skin that morning. <laughs> but but they did have on long, whatever what you call them, I don't know, man, they... They had them on. They, they were well covered. They looked very nice. I'm not throwing off. But matter of fact, when they came back next time, the, the one on this side, she had on a dress down about here. And I mean, they, they dressed very, very nice. Every, every night we saw them dressed to the knee or, or beyond. Um, they did an incredible job singing. It was somebody that I, I had never seen before. And then there was a group called Carolina. If you know Carolina, Carolina, they do a little bit of crossover. They did some country songs. They sang some patriotic songs. And I guess about the best way, one of the lead singers guys' name was Tim. And Tim, he, he looked his age. I mean, he had, well, we have gray hair and, and a little beard and the things you do. And one of the other guys' name is Scott. Scott is also a pastor of a church. Scott is 62, 63 years old with a solid gray little goatee and a full bottle of black hair color on his head. Long, black hair. I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know about that. 
singer in a gospel group. He's a pastor of a church. I can sum it up for you by, by a story that Ray told. Ray said we did a concert, and we, we were at, at Scott's church, and we got everybody in, and Emily Ann Roberts was part of it. And if y'all remember when Emily Ann was here, she's kind of like the sweetheart, man. She's growing in America. And, and he, even when she was here, he put somebody with her, keep somebody with her. We had heightened security because Emily Ann Roberts was here. Keep an eye on you. Look at anybody suspicious. Watch out for things. And so later on in, in the day, they're getting some stuff ready, and one of the security guys said, no, man, everything's going good. We've got one guy who's pretty suspicious. We've been keeping an eye. I got, I got one of our guys, security team in his hip pocket. He's following him around. Everything else looks good. And Ray said, well, who is he? And he said, you see that guy who's standing stand right over there? And he said, he's the pastor of the church. I felt a little better when he told that story. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm not the only one carrying around all this judgmental stuff. Brian Free and Assurance, you know what Brian Free would look like. They're never any different. You know what to expect before they go. They were the best gospel singers on the planet, bar none. Brian Free's got on his blue jeans and his western-type shirt. Bill's going to dress a lot like him. Mike's going to wear some really good-looking shoes and some nice pants. He's either going to have on a dress coat or a leather coat, and that's what they're going to have on every time you see them. That's the way they are. That's the way they dress. That's the way they sing, and you know what to expect. And then we had Karen Peck in New River. Anybody ever seen Karen Peck? You know what Karen Peck's going to have on. She's always going to have on a dress and one of those long kind of shawls or whatever those things are that goes with it. The entire group's always going to dress nice, look nice. And then we had the tally trio. Anybody know the tally? They're always going to look the same. By the way, they're retiring this year. Um, this this will be the last year traveling together. Lauren will become a soloist, but but mom and dad's always going to be the same. Dad's usually going to have have some jeans on and, and a button down. Sometimes a sport coat. Mom's always going to have on a dress. Lauren's always going to be dressed really nice. Maybe it's a dress, maybe it's pants, but she's always going to come to the table really nice. And then we had Emily Ann Roberts. Emily Ann, every time I've ever seen her, she's in a dress to about here, high heel shoes, and absolutely adorable. Everything about her. She walks and says, "Hi, y'all." When she was here, my wife said, I just love you to death. I just want to put you in my purse and take you home. <laughs> We're hanging out on a cruise ship talking, and she says, I still just want to put you in my purse and take you home. She's like, oh, y'all so sweet. All, always, always dressed, always looks really nice. And then we had the tribute quartet. Wasn't it the tribute? We had the tribute. First night, they were exactly what I expected to be, matching suits. They're what God, Southern Gospel Quartet music is. That's what I grew up, Southern Quartet gospel music. I, I love it. It's matching suits, hankies, ties, whole deal, all the different parts of the quartet. And after that, they always had on suits they didn't always match, which is a little bit different most of the time. You see those guys, that they'll usually match, but they always had on suits. And then we had the Wisnets. Anybody know the Wisnets? We got to get them back. Man, I don't guess they've been here since um, Pastor Freeman was here, but boy, what a spirit they bring into the house. And, and they, you know, they, they're dressed always the same. Susan is always dressed very nice, dressed top, and uh, always dressed just, I guess you'd say, the part of a southern gospel singer. And then we had America's first family in gospel music. We had the Hoppers on board. Well, everybody knows what the Hoppers look like. Um, Claude Hopper was. <laughs> dressed as always and talking as always. He said the first day they got up there, he said he was walking by the creek, and a frog told him, he said, pick me up. So I said, what? He said, the frog said, pick me up. He said, I picked that frog up. And he said, if you'll kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. He said, a man at my age and my health, I'd rather just have a talking frog. Yeah. 
the hoppers, the hoppers were amazing as always. So the, the, first, the first day the preacher comes up on Monday to preach and he has on a coat and a tie, a uh, suit. Second day the guy comes up to preach, he has on blue jeans, buttoned down with a sport coat over it. I think it was long about Thursday, the guy with a suit, he preached again. He didn't have on a coat and tie that time, just pants and a shirt. So here's the deal. Here, here's the point. This is just a lot of, of what I went to school this week. Here's why I'm telling you all this. People are different. Everybody's different. Jesus spent an awful lot of time trying to teach the church, the religious crowd. Jesus spent an awful lot of time trying to teach the Pharisees not to judge a man by what you see on the outside. Because Jesus says, I don't. You can dress the part all you want, but I see what's in the heart. What's on the outside isn't going to get you to heaven or keep you from it. It's what's on the inside. So, so I spent a week, and I just kind of want to share a little bit of it with you if I can. Uh, Lauren Talley sang a song on... Monday, I think it was Monday, she, she closed out with a song called Death Was Arrested. Now, if you did not know Ivan Parker, then you do know when death was arrested. Anybody know the song Death Was Arrested? So, Lauren Talley gets up and she starts singing When Death Was Arrested. And Robin and I, that morning, we were sitting a little further back, um... And I could see most, most everybody in there was, um, well, let's just say if you were in your 60s, you were um, elementary school age, maybe. If you were in your 60s, you, you were the youngest of the crowd. Um, now, at 57, I was a spring chicken. I was surprised they didn't make me wear a bib just to eat with them. So I'm sitting back there, and Lauren Talley starts singing, Death Was Arrested. And about halfway through, they started getting it. I could tell the Advil started kicking in from the morning. <laughs> Medicine done got to working pretty good because some of them started throwing up a hand. Wasn't long before they got standing up. When death was arrested, and my life began. And they got to amen, and then God got to moving. And here's what was breaking my heart. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, most of them have probably never heard this song. That's why it took half the song to get into it. The ones that have heard it, that got into it a little bit earlier, they've heard Lauren Talley do it, so they think it's a Lauren Talley song. But if North Point Inside Out, the ones who wrote the song, who sang it on this stage, if they had walked up there and sang it, half of those same people would have walked out of that building because of who they were and how they were dressed. The song was good enough. The words was good enough. The power of God was good enough. It's the clothing that would have messed everything up. She sings, and I watch some people worshiping. And I spent the rest of the trip with the Lord just working on this old broken vessel, <laughs> trying to make me something worth having, trying, trying, to, trying to make me something 
usable. I don't know if anybody can do it, God can, but he's got his work cut out for him. So Paul says that we're all running in a race. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some people to help me demonstrate this race. And I know I'm going to get in trouble. I have never called my son up. I've never called any of my family up because, well, I have to go home and listen to them. But everybody else is using him, so I might as well. So I, I'm going I'm to get him to come on over here. Um, Wendy, Wendy, come on over here. You, you'd be a good one. I, I need some folks. Andrew, Andrew, come on up here. Peter, come on down here, Peter. Uh, let's see, we probably need a couple more. Lexi, come on, come on, come on, Lexi. You'll do just fine, come on. <laughs> You'll do just fine. Matter of fact, you're going to be my premier subject. You'll never raise your hand again. <laughs> so, so the deal is, everybody's a Christian, right? Everybody's washed in the blood. Everybody's trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But how can that be? They all look so different. They, they dress different. They, they have different personalities. They, they have... Um, everybody likes selling gospel music? I knew I'm going to get one hand out of that. <laughs> in, in, any, anybody... All into new, newer, what you contemporary music, contemporary Christian. See, see, we all have our own style. We all have our own stuff. We all have our own likes and, and our own dislikes. But yet, we all have a race to run. It, that's what our text says, right? We all have a race to run. All right, y'all, come on over here in the middle of the way from the step where you can touch the stage. I need everybody to be able to touch. Mate, you got one. This is the starting line. You got to have one hand on the stage. One hand's got to touch the stage. Make sure nobody cheats. One hand on the stage. Nobody goes till three. On three, we're going to run a race. We're going to find out who wins this race. Ready? On three. On three, huh? Where are we going? See, there lies the problem. The race that we have to run is not anybody else's race. It's yours. Your race is your race, 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 yours is yours, and yours is yours, and you're not racing each other, anybody else. You're racing you and the devil. You're just racing you and the devil, and, and, and the devil is doing everything he can to mess up your race. Now, what our problem is, on Monday morning, we, we know because of the way it's been, it's going to be raining. I guess we can go ahead and count that in, right? And we know what our job and our work, and I don't know, it's present day, some's off work. Everybody knows what we're going to do Monday morning. You got money. We know what time we're going to get up. Everybody got money pretty well figured out. You know what you're going to do? You got money set for everything. So we're going to get up and we're going to go about our day. And if our day doesn't start with prayer in this book, you're going to waste that entire day because you don't know where you're going in your race. You know where work's at. You know what money you're going to make. You know where the kids go to school. You know everything you've got to do, but that's not the race. The race is what are we doing for the glory of God? 
What are we doing for the cause of Christ? God has got a race for every single one of us every day. And your race isn't against any of these, nor is theirs against you. Your race is against you. Paul says we've got a race to run. God put us here for a purpose with things to do. We all have something to do. Everybody's got their own lane to run in. You ever watch the, the tracks? They got the tracks around. Everybody's got their own lane. You You've got to run in your own lane. Everybody's got your own finish line. At the end of every day, everybody has your own obstacles, your own challenges, your own things that you have to deal with. The, the, the Bible tells us, let, let, me, let me turn over here to one for you. Let me just read one for you real quick. Hebrews chapter 12 says in verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So, you ever notice, you ever watch the Olympics? You ever watch them when they get ready to run? You ever, anybody ever notice what they have on? Or what they don't have on? I guess it's probably more like it. What, what they have on is, is really tight. It's next to nothing. It weighs nothing. The shoes barely cover the toes. They weigh about three ounces. They don't want anything to weight them down or hold them back. So what they have on is very light and very tight. So there's no weight and there's no wind resistance. It is an aerodynamic fit, and that's what they put on to run. Now what happens when you get up in the morning and you start praying and you start studying and you start seeking God's Word God starts putting some racing clothes on you, but the devil starts throwing an overcoat on. So when you get up in the morning, the devil's going to want to start distracting you with things to hold you down, to burden you, to bind you, to keep you from being what God has designed for you to be today. He don't want you to run your race because if you run your race, somebody's going to see Christ in you. Somebody might be, get saved because of you. Somebody might experience the glory of God through you. Somebody might see what a Christian looks like. So the devil doesn't want you to run your race. So he wants to bind you and burden you and put all this stuff on you. Now, the first thing that we all deal with is the sin which doth so easily beset us. Anybody here not deal with sin? Raise your hand and then bring your line behind the altar. <laughs> so all of us deal with sin. Right off the bat when we get up, we know we've got to deal with sin. And we're going to fight it all day long. That is a sin which does so easily beset us. And we're going to try to keep that put off. But, but then one of the devil's greatest tools that's going to come along is a distraction. I thought about this word about halfway home yesterday. I told Robin, just remember distraction. She said, what's distraction? I said, just remember the word distraction. When I get home, I got to go work on something on a sermon. I need to remember distraction. That's all I needed was distraction because the devil is a master at distraction. Because, see... That's what all that stuff was. When I saw Josh up there the way he was with that steel guitar, it became a distraction. When I saw somebody dressed differently, it became a distraction. When I saw somebody acting there, see, see, if God can get Peter to look at Andrew and worry about how he's dressed, he becomes a distraction. So there's no way you can get what God has in store for you here today. 
because you're too worried about what he's got on. If he can get, him, get you to worry about Peter, there's no way you can get what God has in store for you today because you have a distraction. If you're out there and you worry because somebody else is praising the Lord and somebody else is hallelujah, somebody else is standing up, somebody else is raising their hand, you say, I can't get nothing because it's a distraction. That's because your focus is in the wrong place. That is not on the devil. That's on you. If you're standing up, you're praising the Lord and you're looking at everybody else and you're saying, why are they just sitting there? Why don't they get up and praise the Lord? Why don't they say amen? Why don't they raise their hand? They are a distraction to you. It ain't none of your business why they don't raise their hand. That's between them and God. They're not like you. But what the devil does is he takes each one of us when we come into here and he uses each one of us to be a distraction to each other. You don't like what they got on in the choir, so it's a distraction. They're not singing the song that you like, so it's a distraction. Somebody hit a note. It's a distraction, so the devil wants to distract you. Because if he can keep you distracted, you can't run your race. See, that's not all the devil has. I had, um, I sent a text, I think it was about Wednesday, I don't really remember, but I sent a text to Jason. I said, bro, if you don't mind, the sin which does so easily beset us, put me together some boxes. I need some sins that does so easily beset us. Gave him a couple ideas, and, and he took and did the rest of them. So, so here's, here's the deal. See, the, the devil, when, when you start wanting to serve God, he says, no, brother, you don't, you don't need to. You don't need to run. You don't need to go ahead. Let, let me hand you something to, to burden you and bind you a little bit. Let me see what you got. You got sin. Let me just sit that one right here in the middle of all of you. Y'all can take turns holding that box. Let me come on back over here and get another one. Yeah, y'all might want to just pass it back and forth while you're juggling this one. I'm going to give you another one. I'm going to give you another one to hold on to. The devil says, here. Here, I'm going to give you a little bit of fear. Why do you want to tell somebody about Jesus anyway? What are you going to do if they laugh at you? Why do you want to talk about Jesus at work? Why do you want to try to tell somebody about Jesus at school? What if they make fun of you? What if they laugh and they start saying things behind you're back. See, if the devil can give you a little bit of fear, you're not going to win your race today because you're carrying too big of a package around. Amen. Oh, he ain't done. He's got some more. Let's, let's, let's go see. Let's go see what Jason's got in store for us. Somebody else needs some boxes. You ever made any mistakes in life? The devil wants to remind you of all of them. Well, what, if, what if you make a mistake today? What, what if, what if you, you go over to, to witness to somebody and, and, and you think you said it wrong? Better, better yet, what if you just decide, Lord, I know you want me to witness to them, but I have a fear. So I'm just going to walk on. I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. So the devil's going to leave you toting that. Let me go see some more. Let's go see. See, the devil looks at all God's children. Oh, every one of you's got a box. If you say this morning, you got a box. I don't think anybody in here walking in here so perfect and holy and righteous and clean. 
have any regrets? You don't have no regrets? You got a box that says you do. You ever did anything you wish you wouldn't have done? Have you ever not did anything that you know the Lord wanted you to do? Does the devil ever remind you of them? Does the devil ever bring regrets up, things that, that you really wish you could forget, but he just keeps on reminding? Boy, you stand in a bad spot. <laughs> it just worked out that way. I had him turn backwards. Anybody ever deal with pride? <laughs> I need a bunch more of those boxes too, but I'm going to leave that right where it's at. We're just going to move on. I just, boy, you end up, I just say, Lord, you have to do what I couldn't. Mm. Jason, you want me to bring this one to you? No, you can't have it right now. I'm going to give it to Lexi. But I know it's one Jason mentioned specifically. Selfishness. Anybody ever just figure this life's all about you? I mean, why would I want to put myself out of the way for them? Why, 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 why do I need to stop what I'm doing and go to a hospital? Why, why do I need to put aside something out of my day, something out of my plan for, for somebody else? See, the devil puts that in there because what, he, what he's telling you is, hey, make this about you. Make, make this about you. you. You don't have to worry about anybody else. Anybody ever have any doubts? Anybody ever wonder if God's really big enough? Anybody ever wondered if God can take care of your problem? Let, let me make that one a little more home. You probably never wonder if God can take care of your problem. You probably know he's going to. Do you ever wonder if he's going to? Do you ever wonder, does it matter? Do you ever have any doubt that God's going to show up in your situation, in your trial, in your fear, in your discouragement? Do you ever believe that God is going to show up? Do you ever doubt that? I wonder if anybody has one of these. I'm quite positive everybody has one of these. Anybody have a past? Anybody have anything in your life that you wish you could forget? And every day the devil reminds you of it. Every day the devil tells you you're no good. God could never use you today. You can't run this race today. You can't win this race. Think about your past. Think about where you came from. Think about what you were. Here, here's your first one. Think about what you were before Jesus reached down into the darkest, deepest, muddiest, nastiest place and in the bottom of the scum where nothing else could live. He reached all the way down there and he found you. And he pulled you up out of that nasty garbage. You think you're fit to serve him, but he don't have to reach that far back. He can say, what about what you did since you got saved? 
He pulled you out of all that nasty. He set your feet upon a rock. He washed you, made you clean. He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And then the only way you want to thank him is you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And you're going to do all that stuff since you got saved. And you think God can use you? The devil will hand you that one in the morning time. Let's see what else we got. Hmm. This one goes right along with that doubt over there. Anybody ever worry about anything? Does the devil keep you worried? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Are my children going to do this? Am I going to be able to do that? How am I going to get ball? Anybody ever worry about anything? See, the weight which does so easily beset us so that you can't run the race. We, we, got, we got more boxes. Mm. You see what we're pairing this one up with. Regrets. Wouldn't God just work it out where regrets comes with shame? Anybody ever done anything you're ashamed of? Anybody ever didn't do anything you're ashamed of? I believe some of my biggest shames at times, I know God told me to talk to somebody, and I walked away and left them standing there. But if the devil can keep you carrying that around, you're not going to run your race effectively today. You're not going to win your race today because you're carrying around too much weight. Hmm. I wonder if there's anybody in here that deals with this one. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. I think it was Rich Pike. We were talking about anxiety. But I said, Paul didn't have to deal with some of the stuff we had to deal with today. It's easy for us to say, Paul, Paul didn't have this, and Paul didn't have that. Paul didn't have to deal with all the certain anxieties, but you do. Paul had his own. In the times of the Bible, they had their own anxieties. They had their own things to deal with. They had their own problems. They had their own issues. They, they had stuff to deal with, just like you do. Anybody anxious about anything? He texted me this morning and said he put this one this way so that we could make a change. And I said, no, brother, God ordained that. You couldn't have done it any more perfectly because I don't know what the answer is, but you do. You know what goes in that blank. You know what the devil puts in your life. You know what the devil puts on your plate. You know what the devil does to bind you every day. You know what the devil does to put weights on your plate to, to tear you down? And to distract you. See, what the devil wants to do is hinder you. And he can give you all kinds of ways. He can give you every one of these. He doesn't have to spread them out. He's got plenty to go around. He can bring all these to everybody out there. But he's going to use them all. But there is an answer. Andrew, come to your ride around here. Let, 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 me, let me show you something. You're, you're going you're gonna to have to get your suit clean. I need you to lay down right there. You're the boxes? No, yeah, they're yours. Oh, 
And see, what happens at night, you tried to run your race, but it really didn't go all that well because you've carried around all this stuff. And the devil keeps putting it on. Now, now you want to get some rest. You wore out, and tomorrow's going to be a better day, right? <laughs> and the devil knows you need to have some rest if you're going to have any chance of being successful tomorrow. The devil knows that you need to get a little bit of sleep. Your mind needs to be refreshed. If you could just get this off for a little while, you could wake up tomorrow morning to a brand new day. So what? You lost today's race. Tomorrow's a new day, amen? This is a marathon. You're not going to win this in a sprint. You're running this for the rest of your life. Today's just one leg of the race. When you get up tomorrow, that's a whole other race. So even if you won today, you've not accomplished anything for tomorrow. You can't borrow from yesterday, and you can't take anything forward to tomorrow. Today is the day you've got to deal with. And the devil says, you think you're going to let in and get some sleep? Let me help you. What happened to my microphone? Huh? Is it me? The power glitch? Come on, devil. I got something for you right here. I can talk loud enough you can hear me in here. Hand me a couple more. See, see, the devil can give you a power glitch right in the middle of your message. The devil can put stuff on because he don't want you to know this. He spent a week telling me this stuff. He don't want you to hear none of this. He don't want you to get any help this morning. He wants you to carry this stuff around. He don't want you to run your race effectively. He just wants you to carry this stuff. And he piles it on. So, so here's the deal. Eventually, sooner or later, you're going to get tired enough you got to go to sleep, right? You still down there? Sooner or later, you got to go to sleep. So if you go to sleep, then at least for a little while, all the weight is removed. What do you think? At least for a little while, your mind is at rest. You're not carrying. <laughs> You're not carrying around your past. <laughs> You're not carrying around your mistakes. You're not carrying around your shame. You're not carrying around any of the things that the devil wants to hinder you with. You're not, wanting, you're not carrying around your blank, whatever you fill in, for a little while. You finally get some rest. Now roll, roll, get over on your all fours. Like you're going to get up. Yeah, you can put your knees down on your all fours. I don't believe you can hold a push-up this long. <laughs> See, you start to get up. But here's a spot you really need to remember right here. Because the devil hates this position. The devil hates this, this position of humility. He hates this position of prayer. So when you start to get up, you, you get right here. But the devil says, oh, no. Oh, no. You, you think, don't you make my boxes fall off. <laughs> you, you think you're going to get up. Yeah, keep your head bowed. You think you're going to get up. You think you're going to do something today. You think you're going to do something for the glory of God. You think you're going to be better than you were yesterday. You think you're going to get away with this stuff. Don't you remember your past? Your past is still the same. You still got the same regret you had yesterday. You might have got a little bit of a nap, but don't think I'm not coming back today to, to the sin that does so easily beset you. You're not going to run your race today either, but there is a name. 
There is a name. You got your head bowed. You got your eyes closed. Tell me the name. Tell me the name. See that? Oh, wait, look. You, you're knocking stuff off. I told you not. Come on. Come on. Look. He's never any further than the sound of your voice. All you had to do was call his name. They started falling by their stealth just at the power. What the devil has to offer you is nothing in his name. It's nothing to him. It's nothing in the power of God. It's nothing to the Son of God. When you get up in the morning, you want to know what your race is, you got to remember one thing. Jesus. Jesus. you got to start your day with Jesus so that when the sin that doth so easily beset... Let, let me do something. Let me borrow one of your boxes, Jesus. Let, let me ask you something. There's a whole lot of people in here right now. This box belongs to you. But there's somebody in here that you've got enough brass to stand up and say, that's my box. And I need God to help me with it. Stand up. I only have one box. So you just remember which one you're holding. Thank you. You can be seated. That's your box. Somebody in here, the devil's got some shame on you. That God forgave you for a long stinking time ago. And he just keeps on bringing it up. Telling you you ain't good enough. You won't never be enough. You won't never have enough. God can't ever forgive you enough. You carry your shame around. All of you standing up. That's your box. Hold your box for a minute. Y'all can be seated. Somebody in here. Looks at this box that says, worry is my life. This is your box. That is your box. All of you that stood up, worry is your box. You just have to pretend you have a box. What about anxiety? This box belonged to anybody? I'm just trying to whoever I see first. I'm just trying to, to get the one first. Anxiety. So if you're standing up, you just have to pretend you have a box. Chris, pretend you have a box, brother. I saw it. I'm going to hand him that. That's, that's y'all's box. Anxiety. You've, you've got the box. Devil ever throw anybody's past up in their face? If the devil's throwing your past up in your face, that's your box. Just hold on to your box for a minute. What about fear? Devil use any fear in anybody's life? Tell you that you can't ever be anything for God. People will laugh at you, make fun of you. You can be seated. Might as well throw this one up there. Anybody got a box called pride? Young people standing up for it. I'm sorry to beat you up. I'm going to let you two share it. But that don't mean y'all are off the hook. You just have your own little imaginary box. Regrets. Anybody carrying this one around? The weight that does so easily beset us. 
There's no way you can win the race that God has for you to run carrying around all these weights. I'm going to leave sin right there for all of us. What about mistakes? The devil liked to, that's, that's kind of the same as past. Mistakes that we've made, things that we've done wrong. The devil just loves to throw that stuff up in your face and tell you about your mistakes. Thank you. You can be seated. That's your box. If you got a mistakes box, that's your box. Selfishness. Anybody owner of this box? Our whole youth section. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to set that right in the middle of the youth section. Y'all can share it. How about that? Put it, put it here. Yeah, go ahead and touch it. Go ahead and touch it. That's your box. You can, y'all go ahead and touch it. That's your box. Go ahead and touch your box. Set it right there in the middle of all where you have your box of selfishness. <clears throat> what about this one? The one I didn't name, but the Holy Spirit showed you what it was. So let me ask you a question. This is, this is nothing but a visual image of a spiritual matter. All this is doing is letting your physical eyes see what goes on in the spiritual realm. The devil's the one handing you all that stuff. The devil's the one putting all those boxes on your back. The devil's the one giving you grief. The sin which doth so easily beset us. The devil's the one piling all that stuff and piling it when you're trying to sleep, piling it when you're trying to get up. But there's a name that's greater than your box. That's right. And this is nothing but a physical picture of a spiritual reality. If you call out the name of Jesus, he's strong enough to take your box. He's strong enough to take your problem. He's strong enough to deliver you from whatever it is that the devil is binding you with and take it away and make you something you never knew you could be. You can win the race in the name of Jesus. But without the name of Jesus, you don't even know where the race is going. You're just standing at the start line. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder right now, Every one of you that stood up, I didn't have enough boxes for all of you. But you have a choice. You can take your box home and keep it. Or you can bring it to the feet of Jesus and leave it. Now, you can bring your box down here, and you can talk to Jesus about it, and you can take your box back, and you've not accomplished anything. All you did was had a little talk with Jesus. But you can bring your box down here and you can talk to Jesus and leave your box with him and he will remove all your burdens and all your sin and all your shame and all your regret and all the unrighteousness and everything that the devil is using to hinder you down. He can let you run your race victorious. He can put the racing clothes on you and take off the weights. The devil wants you dragging anchors around in your life. The devil wants to burden you and beat you down. Thank you, you guys. You guys, thank y'all so much. I um. Let me give you another text. Second Timothy. Chapter four. Verse number six. 
I'll read that in a minute. Philip. Brian Free sings a song, says he can take it. Could I have you stand? I'm going to read this in a minute. I'm not through. Play, he can take it. Won't you stand up? Won't you listen to this song? If you stood up and said, one of these boxes is yours, I want you to listen. If you've not brought your box down here yet, if you said, hey, you know what? I didn't raise my hand. I didn't stand up. I didn't come forward. I didn't let anybody know that I've got a problem. I don't want anybody to know that the devil's burdening me. I don't want anybody to know. So I've not said anything yet. Believe that he can take it, no matter what it is. Do you believe he's bigger than your greatest problem? Stronger than your biggest burden? Superior to your darkest fears? God's the one can take it. But Paul wrote a couple of letters to Timothy. And in the second letter, over here in chapter 4, he said in verse number 6, he said, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Every one of us is running a race. You're running a race every single day. You're running a race today to find out what you do for God. You'll run one tomorrow and every day for the rest of your life. It's a race. I wonder right now, are you ready to meet God based on your previous performance? If Jesus were to come back today or, or for God forbid anything happened, if you, if you were to die today, if you were to meet Jesus today, have you left it all on the field? Or have you still got a lot of fuel in the tank? Have you given everything to Jesus or are you holding everything back? Are you really trying to win the race? So that when we stand before Christ, we stand there like Paul saying, I put it all on the table. I've left everything on the field. I have nothing left to offer. The time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready to go. I want to see him now. Or is regret going to be a word? There'll still be stuff in the tank, things we know we didn't do that we should have done. I won't let him play one more song, and it's the title of the message. It's another Brian Free song. Y'all know that, of course. But he says, I want to leave with nothing left. And that's what the song's about this morning. That's what the message is about this morning. That's what all this is about. All this stuff is just leaving fuel in my tank. It's not letting me be what God called me to be, but God is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want to leave with nothing left. One more song. One more song. While you listen to the song, I just want you to think about that scripture. Have you finished the work? Jesus hung on the cross. He said, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. You have a work to do. Before I pray, it ain't never too late to bring your box. It ain't never too late to leave your box. His name is Jesus. Remember the name of Jesus, the name which is above every name. Don't take boxes home with you this morning. It's a shame to walk by heaven and carry all your troubles back out there when you could have left it. If you, um, if you like Brian Free, 
You like the music. I love their spirit. I love the songs. I love the words. Brian Free will be right up the road here tonight, Hillcrest Baptist Church, Pastor Jim Butler. You're welcome to go there. Somebody asked me about counseling services. I can't do that. Everybody doesn't go to Brian Free concerts. Everybody's not going to be there. Some of you are. Can I tell you, you're not sending to go there. Now, Pastor Brandon is going to bring another amazing lesson tonight as we're looking at discipleship, and that is the goal. That is my prayer, that everybody in this church grow closer in their walk to the Lord, that every man in this church become the spiritual leader of their home, that God has designed for them to be, and that God would bless this church and fill this church, that we might go out and tell people about Jesus, that we grow in numbers, that God would make us a mighty ship, a mighty vessel that God would use. That's my prayer. And I pray tonight, if you... If you're not going to go see Brian Free, you be here. If you're not going to be here, you go to Hillcrest and see Brian Free. You're going to get a blessing either way. But don't leave with regrets. Don't leave with regrets. Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good, God. God, I thank you that the devil doesn't have anything that's a hindrance to you. He doesn't have any kind of coats or weights or anchors or anything that he can add to me that you can't take off. He doesn't have any burdens that you can't remove. He doesn't have any distractions that you can't move aside. I thank you, God, that in the name of Jesus, I have power over all sin. I'm victorious over all mistakes. I, I am a new creature in Christ. I'm beyond all my past. Old things are passed away. I thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ that I can claim victory over all these things. I thank you that in the name of Christ I can run my race freely. I don't have to drag anchors. That I have victory over Satan and all of his, all of his nasty old demons, his devils, his tricks, his troubles. God, I pray for this church. I pray for the people in this church right now. Oh, God, I, I haven't forgotten what it's like. I see the work that these men have been doing this week. I see the buildings being built. He's alive, coming. Lord, you've taught me to expect adversity, so I won't be surprised when it comes. Well, I know the devil's coming. God, I know the devil hates he's alive. He hates this body of people. He hates this body of believers. He hates what they're about to do. He hates the way you're about to use them. And he's going to try to come. But I thank you that in the name of Jesus, he has no power in this place. God, he'll have no power over he's alive, and he'll have no power over any light that's in here. I pray a hedge of protection around everybody in this place right now, God. I pray you protect them, their homes, their families, Lord, especially the leaders, the speaking parts, all those in this place. And God, as we walk out of these doors, God, I know it's the devil's desire to pile some weights back on some people that they just brought down here in the name of Jesus, God. I pray you'd go with them and go before them, God. I pray you'd bless them and will you use us in a mighty way. Help us, God, even as we just go to lunch, Father. May we be a blessing to somebody. Use us, God, for your glory and honor. We love you. We thank you. Lord, we trust you with everything that we have. You're all that we'll ever need. We praise you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. Amen.